Welcome to the Wedding Film Academy podcast, your go-to source for learning to create stunning wedding films and run a successful business. Here's your host, Lumix Luminary and wedding filmmaker, Jordan Bunch. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Wedding Film Academy podcast. We are starting a brand new series. Uh, This series is going to be really different from anything that we've done before. We're going to talk really particulars about uh, one of the the major aspects of wedding filmmaking, which is composition. So this is probably going to be a shorter series. This is definitely going to be shorter than our last series. Um, But I really want to dive into deep what good composition looks like and how you can accomplish that. And so with me today, I have Matt Koza. Matt is a wedding filmmaker who, in my opinion, is just doing fantastic composition and really has narrowed in his focus and his style around the idea of composition, uh, maybe more so than... Well, more so than the vast majority of us anyways, I think. And so I'm excited to talk to him about about this topic in particular because I just feel like we're going to have a ton to learn from Matt. So Matt, thanks for coming on. Thank you. That is quite the intro. Yeah. (laughs) Thank you for having me, man. For sure. Matt, maybe just tell us first just a little bit about yourself and about uh, what you're doing wedding film-wise. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, what do you want to hear? Just, yeah. Tell me about, tell me about yourself. Tell me about what, what life is like for you right now. Yeah. Life is great. (laughs) I'm actually planning my own weddings and dealing with the bulk of the season. Um, but I'm loving, I'm loving it right now. Yeah. Um, I mean, I've been doing weddings really since you got married, which I put together 2009. Yeah. Um, but as far as doing weddings with a vision is how I always like to say it. I've really, 2013, I say is my first year where, Mm. um, I kind of had, I had more control of what I was doing and actually had a direction Mm. instead of trying to just figure things out. I don't know if that makes sense. Yeah. Um, you know, I talked to a lot of other filmmakers and they all kind of can share that sentiment where, sure you know, we've all been doing it for a while, but there's a point where you really are confident in what you're doing. And yeah, 2013, I think is when that happened. What was the, what was kind of the switch that happened uh, from 12 to 13? for Uh, you? You know, before that, I just, I didn't have a flow. Every wedding I was getting butterflies, Mm -hmm. which it's, I do get um, them still for different reasons. Sure. You know, Um, but it was really just actually it was me being on my own at that point, having an established brand, doing everything correctly with all the insurances. Um, you know, at that point I had switched over to having no longer having packages where it's just me. I wanted the quality and everything. So it's a minimum of myself and another person. Sure. So those are really the big changes I think. Yeah. Um, and then just having the confidence, right. It's kind of the, the important thing. Yeah, for sure. No, absolutely. I mean, so much of it is fake it till you make it, you know? And so like really having, having that kind of confidence is, is huge. Man, listen. <laughs> yeah. 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 I, st- I mean, I think we all kind of have that feeling, right? Like right. if you're, if you're too content or you're too comfortable, 
I, I mean, I don't know if that ever happens for anyone, right? right. Even the, the greats. Yeah, for sure. There's something about the wedding in and of itself that brings that healthy nervousness to it. That I think it's important, mm -hmm. you know, of, you know, yes, I've done, you know, however many hundred weddings, but this is a new one and this is the only one for this couple and it has right. to be done right. And it's just going to be this once there's no retakes, you know, that's true. That's so true. Yeah. Um, back up on backup. I actually have the weirdest nerves though. Like, um, someone, the, someone the other day was joking about how they get nervous about leaving a piece of equipment at home while they're driving to the wedding. Yeah. And I was like, I'm nervous about, you know, how my stomach's going to be from the food I ate the night before. <laughs> or like, I've never worked with this DJ. Uh, Are they going to just let me do what I need to do? Like these little things, um, yeah. get me nervous. Yeah. <laughs> the rest of it, I know we'll, we'll figure out, you know, yeah. you're going to have the couple there. We're going to have cameras. What else do you need? It's. That sounded really corny, but yeah. my, my, my nerves are really weird. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's, that's totally understandable. I saw somebody post about that on Facebook not too long ago, actually about, you know, they're very regimented about what they eat the day before and, you know, that yeah. day leading up to the wedding. So very wise. I think that was actually in response to like my really bad, um, joke <laughs> about my stomach problems, yeah. which was really a real thing. Yeah. Yeah. I know what you're what you're talking about yeah i've i've definitely made a mistake of eating a large burrito before a wedding and you know it's you know i've been there yeah, yeah. so you don't want to use the bathroom in the bride suite so you know right <laughs> well wedding film academy this uh, is a great subject yeah seriously you never you always all roads lead back to potty jokes you know so right well uh let's actually do move from potty jokes uh into composition yes. uh so okay Talk to me. You posted the other day talking about how uh, you've you become inspired by the work of some great photographers. Talk to me about that. What what's inspiring you in terms yeah. of your composition? Um, man, really. Uh, what can I say? I start with light. Really, um, I have so many thoughts about it, but I, I start with light uh, always. Um. And not to stray far from composition, but as far as even just directing, I like to put people in position where the light hits them a certain way. And Absolutely. then I don't speak to them for the most part. Um, I kind of let them do their own thing and I capture those moments. But lighting's really important. Um, and then I'm, I'm focusing on, man, um, movements within the frame. Hmm. It's really important. Um, obviously, the backdrop is important as well. Sure. You know, um, but these are all things that I'm, so we're, I'm usually doing them. Are you speaking on like portrait sessions? I'm thinking the whole thing. Cause when I'm watching, when I'm, day. when I'm watching your films, I'm seeing a great intentionality with each shot. Mm -hmm. You know, there's, there doesn't seem oh, to be, you. there doesn't seem to be any shots that weren't thought out. And I know it, over, over Thanks. time it becomes natural, uh, for you, but there's still, there's still great consideration to each shot that goes into your films. And so, well, thank you. Yeah, for sure. But talk to me specifically, like, what do you think is, what is it about, uh, about your work, whether it's work that goes into, uh, into what you do throughout the week as you try to look for inspiration or inspiration that you find on the wedding day itself, what's inspiring yeah. your composition? Um, 
So I don't really study with a purpose. Um, I'm usually sweating bullets about my backlog. That's my Fair enough. my kryptonite. So I'm not really studying, but just naturally I'm addicted to social media. So when I flip through like Instagram, I follow a ton of photographers, ones I've worked with, ones that I just admire their work. Um, and I'm just like, oh, wow, I, that style is really cool. And uh, I don't think it's totally intentional, but I, I try to implement ideas. I'm sure that I've seen um, a lot of it, like you said, is during the portrait session specifically, I, um, I have, I'm very time conscious. I don't want to slow things down. So I think photography posing for portraits is very different from what we do. It's, yeah. there's not a lot of movement. Sure. It's very specific. It's not free. So I might have my second shooter pick off the in-betweens during that, but really I'm just studying what's going on and how I can make adjustments. So right when they're done, I can say quickly, Hey, why don't you guys turn this way, scoot over a couple feet to this side, you know, and then I can kind of put them in position to get what I want. And it's in a matter of 20 seconds. Um, to get those shots. Um, recently, we were doing we were doing a bridal party, and it was just a typical okay. Everyone walk towards me for the photographer shot, right? right? And I saw a puddle on the ground, and while they're doing this, I'm laying on the ground and I'm practicing again to save time in composing a shot the way I want. So they finish the bridal party shot, and I say, hey, everyone, just come over to the side for me for a second, bride and groom. See this little patch of light? I want you to stand right here. And my favorite shot of the year took like in all 20, 30 seconds, hmm. you know? Um, so it's really, it's not like I'm taking a lot of time doing it. I'm really, I'm really practicing and, and brainstorming during the photographer's portion. Hmm. Yeah, yeah, no, that makes good sense. Thank you. Yeah. Talk to me about, because one of the things you're you're saying is, you know, you see something and then you're going to tweak it as you're doing that. There's, there's obviously, you know, most people are aware of some of the basic rules of composition. Are there, are there rules for you that are kind of like go to, I'm going to use this rule of composition. Uh, I mean, I definitely follow like eye lines in the 1080, mm -hmm. especially during formalities with speeches and, um, ceremonies can be tough. Because, you know, you're, you're, you're on different sides and you're, it's just sometimes the eye lines don't match right. and that's fine. But that's one of the things I like to follow. Um, as far as rules, it's all, all fair game for me. I don't really, I mean, even technically I shoot high shutter pretty much the entire day. Mm. I just like the look for weddings. Yeah. Um, yeah. As far as composition and where I'm framing things, no, I don't really have have any rules okay for that. fair enough yeah for sure uh talk to me about in terms of movement one of the things that i notice about your films versus you know a lot of stuff that's out there is that you're not doing a lot of camera movement you know a lot of your shots are stationary and i think it's at least to me it seems like that's probably a big part of what enables you to really think through composition really well and to execute it so well is that you're not so focused on camera movement, which for a lot of people, it's like, you know, that's their go-to thing. Um, they're doing a lot of that. You know, I, I'm one of those who I use a lot of camera movement. 
Um, so I'm, I'm curious what role that plays in your composition. Yeah. Um, to be honest, I think the people who are doing the camera movement are a lot of them are killing it and doing a much better job than I could. So it's kind of just working off your strengths. Hmm. Um, I also move fast. You know, I do use gimbals. Um, I'm trying to implement the crane into my workflow, mm -hmm. hoping it'll help uh, aside from the Ronin. Um, but you actually kind of nailed it. My thoughts on it. It's kind of, it feels like it slows me down almost. Mm. Um, if I'm, if I'm having to lug around the gimbal, you know, what am I doing with my tripod monopod? Mm. It's just more stuff to, to hold on to. It just slows me down. Um, some people can move quickly and efficiently and they do great work with the, with the gimbals and the sliders. But for me, the time it takes me to get one of those shots, I can compose, four or five different shots of the same action mm. to make it a little bit faster pace. Um, kind of gives you a sense of movement, even though the camera is not moving because you're, mm. you know, you're seeing a wide shot and then you're seeing the hand move as a close up, and then you're seeing their face react to it. Yeah. So it's, I feel like it's these different things that cut together to make an action whole. Yeah. If that makes sense. No, for sure. Yeah. And so are you moving around mostly with monopod then or? Yeah. Um, I have a really, really, really good second shooter who probably shoots at me seven out of 10 weddings. Mm -hmm. uh, he's incredibly talented. His name's Chris. Um, he likes to be on his tripod. I do like to adjust like height a lot. And with tripods, you just can't do it as quick as I'd like. Um, sure. Sometimes I'll miss a candid moment in that time. So the monopod for me is really important. Um, I mean, I'm looking for things to lean up against too a lot mm. as far as keeping steady shots. Yeah. Um, I'm using my wallet and my cell phone. I'm sure a lot of people do that if I'm on the ground hmm. to balance and get a tilt that I want for a shot. Oh, okay. So you're taking the camera right off the monopod and just kind of using something yeah. fat to, okay. Yeah. Cool. I mean, that puddle, that puddle examples, uh, uh, you know, I needed to tilt up to get them in it a little bit. So I just put my wallet underneath and there's different levels of the wallet. It kind of yeah, yeah. remove move a credit card or something and, and you can adjust that way. Yeah. yeah. It's janky, but it, it comes out really nice. Yeah. Whatever works, man. Yeah. I haven't heard that. I haven't heard yeah. that one. So that's good. Yeah. <laughs> nice. Yeah, thanks. Um, you know, as you're, as you're thinking about, you know, trying to go light and nimble. I'm curious because one of the things you talked about was like, you know, if you're shooting with a monopod, you're going to be leaning up against a wall or finding something to get, to get stabilized. Are you using a camera with stabilization and the sensor Are you using lenses with that? Or is that kind of a struggle? Your, your shots seem like they're super solid. I'm curious how you're, um, you know? Yeah. So I'm, I'm using the, the Mark four now. Okay. Um, I switched from the C100 Mark two, which I loved, but, I actually used a friend's Mark IV. Um, I used Mackenzie Miller's Mark IV, and she was she loved it, and it was just so great for me. It was perfect. Mm. Um, Canon workflow for me is is really nice. Um, I'm loving what I'm seeing from your your baby, the G5, right? The yeah, GH5, GH5. Yeah. Um, the stabilization looks really nice in that. I'm not sold on like the handheld. Um, movements like for people to replace a gimbal i've seen some people try that sure 
I do I do like the handheld look when it's intentional, right? Um, with that camera because it looks awesome. But some people try to do it as like a a gimbal shot, it's like a totally a, yeah. smooth shot, and I don't think it's working. But. Yeah, it's not a gimbal replacement. It, I feel like it can replace a monopod. Um, if, yes. If you have the, uh, you know, if you have the core strength to endure a full wedding mm-hmm. day without you know relying on a monopod, then it can it can replace that. But yeah, it's not a gimbal replacement. For sure. Yeah, but that that style, I mean, I love that. And again, like, I definitely see clips of people's styles. I don't really watch, excuse me, I don't really watch too many videos these days, but I really like some of those handheld styles where it's really intentional and it's it's not shaky. It's kind of floating. And yeah, wish I could. I wish I could think of some names off the top of my head, but I've seen it done really well. Yeah. Um, yeah. So. So do you have I, um, do you have lenses that are stabilized that you're using, or are you just kind of just uh, I use the L lenses yeah. all day. The only zoom I use is the uh, well, it's an, the seventy to two hundred Mark II L lens for Canon. Right. Um, that's the that's the only zoom I use. And that one's stable. Primarily on the fifty L, the one thirty five L. Um, is the Sigma? I, I use the Sigma Art thirty five occasionally. Okay. I don't think that's is that a stabilized. Lens? You know, I'm. I used to use Canon, but it's been a long time, so I've kind of forgotten. Are you native what, now? Like, yeah, all native glass. Yeah. Um, so, oh, cool. So the the Leica lenses are just phenomenal, and the stabilization that comes in those are yeah just awesome. But yeah, I'm so out of the Canon world. I can't remember which ones are stabilized. I know that right. I know that 7200 is, but um, that definitely is. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Cool. Uh, okay, so one of the things that I think is really different. I came from. I came from a photography background, you know, everybody comes to this Mm. from a different place. And I think there are quite a few of us who come from photography and we just, you know, we realized, Hey, this camera has a record button. Let me press it and see what happens. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, but that really informed my composition in a lot of ways. You know, like when I asked for, I asked that question to you of what rules are you using? You had a really different answer Mm. than I expected because I just come from this worldview of <laughs> photography. So I'm thinking, you know, rule yeah. of thirds, leading lines, some of these things. Uh, talk to me about one of the things that's really different with, uh, with video is that our aspect ratio is so different. And that really mm-hmm. changes our composition in a lot of ways, you know. I mean, one is the obvious is, you know, we don't shoot in portrait mode. It's always landscape mode, but also right. just our aspect ratio, you know, typically uh, 16 by nine. Uh, sometimes people use something even narrower. Uh, yours are mostly 16 by nine from what I've seen. Yeah, 16, nine. Mm-hmm. Uh, so talk to me about what role you feel like that plays in your composition, if any. Yeah, that's true. Um, and it's funny because I do snap some pictures um, during the shoot to use for promotional purposes or whatever. Mm -hmm. I I would like a raw image here and there to be able to mess around with. So when I take those images, I, that's when I really notice the difference and it's actually harder for me now to compose a picture because I'm so used to framing it in 169. I'm really weird about how I, my presentation for, you know, anything physically and, and when I'm on a wedding and social media wise too. So my social, my Instagram account was all 16.9, even if I took a picture that's, you know, photo, Yeah. if I shot it with different ratio. So, um, that's really interesting that I, I actually am seeing the world now through 16.9 yeah. as far as photography. I feel you. Um, 
Yeah. And you know, one thing I forgot I really wanted to mention is I use the grid on my camera while I'm shooting okay. and that I do, I use the, the, um, the bubble level on my tripod monopod, but yeah. I do like to use different lines and, um, and I match them up with the grid and, and I started doing that a couple of years ago and that's been a, a pretty important thing for me Yeah, to make sure I'm composing things and getting them balanced the way I want. And even just sometimes I want to do a really beautiful symmetrical shot. I can do that quick yeah. with the lines. Yeah, for sure. That's a, yeah, no, I was watching and I noticed that uh, several times is you're, you definitely are kind of heavy on rule of thirds, putting them in that, mm-hmm. you know, most of the time, like in the top left or the top right uh, intersection there. But I also yeah. saw some gorgeous symmetrical. There's one shot that I saw that I was just, you know, you know, just blew me away. Yeah. The one where um, it was the bride's waist and the groom's hands kind of slowly wrap around her waist. I just thought <laughs> that was just gorgeous. So well done. Yeah. Some, someone said that was like, it reminded them from like the shining or something. I don't know about um, that, but it was like, it was, it was gorgeous and it, it was, you know, yeah. kind of had like some sexiness to it. And it was just like, it was, it just fit the mood of that wedding so well, you know, it, it just had that, Good. Uh, you know, it, it had that sort of intimacy to it. Um, right. that, that's what I that mean was actually, by, that's really what the, I mean by the cut with that was my second shooter actually picked up that second angle that I used on that. So that was one take. Yeah. You know, um, that was actually something that I normally don't do is that was pretty planned actually that shot Yeah. from the beginning of the day when she put that dress on and I saw the back, I said, okay, I need the, I mean, how much do I know about dresses? I thought it was beautiful Yeah. and I needed to highlight it. Um, so again, the, if you saw where we did that shot, it was the ugliest part of the castle, but it was perfect for the light. Yeah. You know, I can make the background be completely dark. Right. And his hands can come out of the shadows. It was in a doorway of like this ugly um, part of the castle. Well, that was so much of it. <laughs> that was so much of, of what yeah. brought that, you know, that sensuality and that intimacy to the image was the fact mm. that it was it was completely dark on the sides. You had that contrasted to her her beautiful white dress, and then his hands right. slowly kind of moving in on them. I thought that was just fantastic. And it's just like all the elements lined up. That's why coming into a wedding, if you, you can't really like study other filmmakers or even study your old films and be like, okay, today I'm going to do this, this, and this shot. Because if the lighting wasn't right, you know, if if the moment wasn't right, if her dress wasn't right, you, those are things you can't really plan. So I think the more weddings you do, the more into the moment you get and the quicker you think of things, you know? Yeah. Um, like I could probably, I'll probably never try that shot again. Cause it's just, everything has to add up. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I like that shot. Thanks man. Yeah, man. for sure. Like that one. So talk to me a little bit more about lighting because that's one of the questions I wanted to ask you. You said at the beginning, you're like, I don't want to get off topic, but you know, you went straight yeah. into lighting and I think that's, that's critical. That's one of the questions I wrote down from the beginning oh, because, cool. comp, uh, you know, lighting plays such a huge role in composition. And I, I think that's really, I think that's really overlooked a lot of times. Um, you know, people talk about part of composition again is, is, is also, um, that separation from your background, which most people, when they talk about separation from background, they're thinking particularly about depth of field. Um, and what role that plays in the background separation, whether it's, you know, that they used a wide open lens or they used a telephoto, but they created that separation uh, from the the subject to the background. 
But the other big part of separating your foreground and your background is lighting. Um, you know, drawing the light towards your subject, letting your, your background fall off. And so, you know, it didn't matter in that case whether you had a great depth of field or not for that shot we're talking about because your background fell into darkness. So it really didn't... Completely fell off, yeah. Yes, so it really didn't matter. I mean, I do like to... I mean, I think, like you actually said exactly what I would have answered is lighting creates those different layers in that depth just as much as, uh, you know, shooting shallow does. So... Mixing the two together can be really interesting, especially since, again, I don't use like sliders and stuff for, um, I'll use an example specifically for the reception details, the, the cake, the tables, the decorations, all that stuff. I don't use sliders, which I think people do beautifully. Um, so I'm really depending on creating those layers of depth, maybe some camera movement. Um, I'll try to catch a... A, uh, a waiter filling like a glass or something like I just try to get some action in there maybe the band in the background you see their silhouettes moving around um so I'm really paying attention to all those things shooting through flowers shooting through candles I mean I do move stuff around I'll move candles around to get those little glowing orbs yeah bokeh um so lighting plays a huge role especially when I'm trying to create like you said create depth right yeah yeah so when it comes to lighting, I know there's this balance and I see this in your films. There's this balance of you've just found a spot with good light and you've paid really close attention to, you know, in this case you put them in a doorway where it was a dark room and you probably had some great window light coming in. And I could tell just how soft and beautiful that light was on her dress and his yeah. hands coming in. And I see that a lot of times with your getting ready shots and that kind of thing. But there's also times where you're bringing in uh, some sort of other light source. You know, I, mm -hmm. I imagine you're bringing in some LED panels or something. Uh, talk to me about in terms of in terms of composing the image the way that you want. When do you feel like? How do you know when you feel like it's necessary to bring in another light source other than? You know, working the light in the room or in the outdoor space or whatever the case may be. When do you know when you're going to bring a light in? Um, I actually do bring a light with me and I use it for maybe one, one or two shots. I'll bring, um, as far as the, I'm sorry, as far as like the morning prep, yeah. I'll bring a light in my bag. I pack light. I bring a messenger bag, my monopod and my camera, yeah. you know? Um, so I pack light, but I do bring a light. I bring my torch light, mm -hmm. um, the older version, which I still have. And I, I love that light. Yeah. Um, I bring that so again I can create some depth if I want to spot the shoes. I don't go too crazy with setting things up as far as like hanging dresses and stuff. I I, I like to kind of shoot it where it's at yeah, really. Yeah. And again, use that like to spot it because a lot of time you're in a hotel room. Um, if if there's not good light coming in through the window, I like, if I can't find any little patches of light, I'll go into bathrooms. Hmm. I feel like they have really nice textures on the floor. They always have like beautiful marble. Hmm. Um, and I create, and I turn off the lights. I spot whatever I want, and I create my own space there. Hmm. Um, so yeah, so I do bring a light for that. Now, as far as the rest of the day, I really don't use a light until we are shooting those details at the reception, and then the formalities of the speeches, you know, first dance, etc. Yeah. Okay. I thought I saw some light used 
in a, in a couple of the portrait sessions, but I could be wrong about that. Was was that not which, the case? Um, which specific? I don't remember the names was... of the of the couples, but again, I could be yeah. I could be mistaking about that. But I thought maybe you used some lighting in the portrait session. Was I wrong on that? The I, it, it looks like it because I'm I, I do like to look for different areas that are a mix of uh, even just when it's a bright sunny day. If there's a mixture of of shade and sun, I look for darker areas of shade where there's patches of light coming through. So I actually more I is like, like a crazy reflection person. kind of thing. Yeah, well, I mean, I use direct light on them really, okay. so it just it's like a spotlight on them. So sometimes I'm sure it looks like it's my own light. Um, but I'll walk over there again while the photographer is doing their thing. I'll find a patch of light. I'll walk over and I'll look at how it hits my hand and right. kind of I'll know where I want to position their faces. Yeah. Um, this sounds really dorky. Oh, <laughs> so, no. I, I, I do but, that trick too. And actually I teach that in yeah. my classes of, you know, kind of cup your hand yeah. very gently and look how the light falls on there. And if it, you know, if you see harsh shadows, right. that's probably not going to be a very good spot for your couple. Um, yeah. So yeah. I mean, I'll send I'll send my assistant over to just. I know I'm jumping around. I apologize. But when I do speeches, I'll send my assistant over to where we're gonna have the speeches, and they put both hands up, and I adjust the light to see um, how we're gonna light them, their faces. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Cool. Definitely. So, mm-hmm. so you said you're um, you're using the Mark IV now. Are you shooting in 4K to give you the ability to recompose uh, later? I've never, I've never even tested the 4K okay. on that camera. I'm just at this point. Um, the only time I'll shoot 4K is if someone is into it, and I can um, increase their package. And, I, and I, in that case, I would do some research and figure out what 4K camera I want to rent and work it into the budget. And um, obviously have it as just an add-on extra feature. Gotcha. Yeah. Okay. So but, are you, um, yeah, I are you just using one of the Mark fours then and using some other bodies as your, I still have my Mark three as well. Okay. Um, my best shooter still shoots on the first version of the six D. Okay. And, and he, uh, he's incredible with it. And like, that's his, that's his tool. He like mastered it. I, you know, I have my Mark III and I let him use it. And I was like, honestly, man, I like the stuff you're giving me with the 6D. Just keep using it. Yeah. You know, don't even worry about the better camera. I'm like, yeah, you could do, you can do so. It's just what you're comfortable with. And for sure, as much as I love the C100 Mark II and I miss so many features from it, ultimately those Canon DSLRs are just like my comfort zone. It's for weddings. It's good workflow. Yeah. Um, yeah. Fair enough. Everybody's got their own thing and it works for them and you use what works for you and that's what's going to be the best tool for you ultimately, you know? Right. Until you actually test the GH5 and realize how much better it is anyway. (laughs) (laughs) I love what I'm, uh, what I'm seeing from it. And I wish, you know, I'm so bad with remembering who does what, but when people post some stuff with that camera, I'm totally blown away. I think that they really nailed the textures and the skin tones. Yeah. Um, well, they redid the color science on it, and it's it's way better yeah. on the GH5 than the GH4 in terms of the color, in my opinion. But Right. Yeah. I mean, I feel like as long as you can really tone things down on a camera, and then you know how to grade to your own vision and not try to grade like something you've seen, I feel right. like you're, you're good. Yeah. It's just, again, it's, it's the camera and how you work with it really. For sure. Yeah. They're all just, they're all just tools, paint brushes. Right. 
I wanted to take a quick break here in the middle of the show to tell you about a new way that I'm saving thousands of dollars a year on music licensing. First of all, if you're new to making wedding films, you should know that you can't just pay 99 cents to iTunes and use that in your videos online. It's against the law, and you could face a heavy fine or even jail time. Yikes! So, until now, you've had to pay somewhere between $10 to $50 per song on average to get good music for your wedding films legally. And then, if you want to use that same song in a different video, you have to pony up the cash again. For some of you, this means paying well north of $5,000 a year in music licensing fees. So, what if you could get unlimited, amazing licensed music for your wedding films for only $135 a year? This is amazing! I used to spend that much just on one video. If you want to learn more, go to Soundstripe.com or click the link on our website. And now, Soundstripe is offering 10% off to our listeners with the code WFA10. So again, go to Soundstripe.com and use WFA10 to get 10% off of your full year of fantastic licensed music for your videos today. Not only that, but when you use code WFA10 at checkout, your purchase helps support the Wedding Film Academy to keep bringing you amazing free content to help you make better wedding films and run a more successful business. So one of the things that you mentioned earlier is this idea of sequencing. I want to get into that a little bit more. Um, So, you know, you said you're not using a lot of those extra tools because you can get more shots out of it. So talk to me about what you're thinking in terms of sequencing and getting more shots of the same scene rather than, you know, one shot with some dynamic movement. What's, what's sort of your, your vision as you're thinking about those sequences? Well, the I think the first thing is it's not I'm just naturally not too shy, um, but I'm also not overbearing, and that I feel like that helps. Um, that sounded really like, like patting myself on the back or something, but I'm not I'm really not shy, and I'm not afraid to see something that I captured, um, and then ask them to do it again. Which it's very, I mean, we, we obviously we don't have actors, so it's very specific things like. If the if the photographer is having them do kissing photos, which I hate kissing photos, like the video ends up being like a makeout session. But I see the way he he grabbed her hand during that on his own. I may try to recreate something like that. Anyone can grab a hand, you know. Anyone can rub a hand with their thumb or something. So, um, but that's portrait session. I think as far as the morning prep stuff, I am more directing with that. Um, I don't like to do things multiple times with exception to maybe like the jacket, you know, Mm -hmm. when the groom puts his jacket on stuff like that. Um, but I move very fast to sequence things. So if mom is helping a bride put on a bracelet, I'm getting in there, getting a close up of them starting the bracelet. So you see it go around the wrist and then I'm jumping back and I'm shooting through the arms and getting mom's face. And mm. I get three or four seconds of that and I'm just moving constantly because the key is it's, it's, I don't want to ruin someone's wedding day by being like, okay, let's do the bracelet four more times, you know? Yeah, for sure. Um, so you have to, you have to, with experience, know, know how to get things quick and then get them fast. Just film them within a matter of however many seconds you need. Yeah. Um, and just stringing it all together. 
Yeah, no, that makes good sense. Did I answer your question? Yeah, so. absolutely. And and boy, you know, with that mindset, the monopod is just the perfect tool. Uh, yeah, you know, in that environment, because you're just, you know, one is, you know, like you said, you don't want to make them redo it, but also you don't want to make them late to the ceremony, you know. And, and yeah. if you're doing a, if yeah. you're doing a bunch of that stuff, it already takes the bride so long to get ready, anyways. Uh, you know, right. you, you really don't want to delay that as much as possible. So. I mean, I get, I, I, it's very rare. I don't get along with a photographer and yeah. I don't want to say I kiss their ass, but you also want to, I also try to let them know early on, Hey, I'm not going to be staging a lot and taking up a lot of time and frustrating you. So I think that when you develop that early, that you move fast and you can stay out of the way and you're friendly, it's just, it all is part of the game, right? It's like, yeah. it helps, it makes the rest of the day so much easier for you to get what you need. For sure. So, um, but I mean, it's just experience and confidence being like, okay. And I also edit my own films. So if I'm sequencing things, I know how I'm going to chop it up. Yeah. You know? Yeah. That's, yeah. that's huge, you know, for, um, you know, especially when you're in the process of learning how to do this, you really have to be editing your work. Um, at the very least, like with my volume brand, we started implementing because we have one editor and we have, uh, you know, right now we have seven shooters. And so we've started implementing since they're not editing their work. Our editor is creating, um, basically files to send them to say, Hey, look at the work that you've done over the past month and take a look at that. And I'm going to give you some critiques and say, here's some, you know, here's what I need more from you. Um, here's some things that you didn't compose well, you know, maybe your movement was off. Mm. Uh, you know, we need to get cleaner audio and this is how we do that, that kind of thing. Because otherwise, if you're not at least seeing your footage, yeah. um, but in this case, since they're not able to edit it, we want to give a lot of, we want our editor to be giving them a lot of feedback in terms of what are those extra shots that they need. But, you know, as much as possible, if you can edit your own work, you are going to become better a whole lot faster. Right. So, so for your own, um, for your individual brand, mm -hmm. your, whatever you want to call it, um, the ones you shoot, yeah. are you editing those yourself as well? Or do you split the editing or we, I split the editing. So I have my, um, you know, I have a full-time editor who does all of our volume brands, but he'll also make a first cut for me. Um, so he'll, he'll make that first cut. He'll do the, you know, the ceremony and toast and kind of cold through the footage and then make a first cut for me. And then I'll go from there and he's gotten a lot better where he's, you know, getting closer and closer to what I want, but it just kind of depends on the wedding. And, uh, you know, so much of it is different and I was the person who was actually there. So I know the story way better than he does since he, just because he wasn't there. Um, and so, you know, a lot of times I'll take a mix of what he created and then go back through and look at just what he culled down and then look through the audio pieces and kind of redevelop the story the way that I want it. And then kind of change a few things in terms of sequencing of, of events and where, um, you know, certain clips are laid out over on top of the audio I'll do a lot of you know tweaking of the audio and the color and, and those kind of things. But he gets me really close to where I need to be, um, which is at this point in my career and what I'm doing in terms of you know the two businesses has really become critical because I just don't have the time to put into 
that first that first big chunk of the edit. You know, he can get it to the point where I've I've only got to spend, you know, between three and eight hours on it. Um, after after he's done with it, and so at that point, you know, then I can, uh, you know, spend a, a day to a half a day on it. Well, that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. That's all. I'm very green to that. Um, to like the volume business so it's always interesting when i hear stuff like that and how i mean that makes sense yeah i couldn't imagine doing that many that many weddings yeah for a year so hats off to you that's incredible yeah well it's 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 a lot different than trying to imagine doing it yourself i cannot imagine doing 100 weddings in a year myself no i don't think you could i mean you couldn't but having our team do it um, has been extremely rewarding and like my listeners know, I'd love, I love teaching. I'm passionate about it. And so helping other people to develop a skill set uh, for their life and for their career now with us and potentially uh, a career in film, you know, beyond working with us as well. I, I just love all of that. It's just fun. So, yeah, that's true. Weddings really do apply to so many other aspects of filmmaking and, especially these days, I think there's a lot more respect for it. Hmm. Um, a lot more respect. And I think we all come from different backgrounds. I mean, you have to know if you are good at it, you have to know so many different aspects of filmmaking, even if it's not your specialty, like you have to know your audio, you have to know your lighting and, and so on. Um, yeah. Yeah. I think, really, I think, yeah. I think, you're a jack of all trades if you're a wedding filmmaker for sure. Yeah. And I think there's a lot more respect if you're making great work outside of our own community, which is a really big community, it's right. huge. I mean, you know how many, you probably get so many listeners, you know, you know, the numbers better than me, but yeah. um, outside of the community, I feel like we're getting more respect from people. Um, and within the filmmaking community too, I feel like we're getting more respect when people are music video directors and they're doing this and that and documentary filmmakers. Um, yeah. Overall, I don't even know how I got into that. Yeah, no, for sure. Uh, t- getting back to, to to the idea of composition, I'd love to hear yes. what what role you feel like composition plays in telling the story. You know, you are you're one of uh, you know. I feel like there's there's kind of this is this is simplifying it obviously, but there's kind of two types of wedding filmmakers. If you get down to to the core of it, there's those who capture the the event and you know it's sort of that music video feel. And then there's those who are trying at some level to tell a story. You're certainly in that category. So talk to me about what role you feel like composition plays in telling the story that you want to about the couple. Well, the unique thing about weddings is the story doesn't really, for the most part, happen until later in the night. You know, if you're getting good speeches, maybe you'll build it around that. Hmm. So during the day, it's really just looking um, for beauty and creativity. But I think I think the interesting thing is if you're speaking to your couples, if you're getting a sense of their personality, even through how they write in the emails or the music they're listening to in the morning when they're getting ready... Um, or just their, the tone of their personality, if they're serious, if they're playful, if they're shy, if they're sweet, if they're kind of edgy, you can kind of pick up pretty well. Mm -hmm. And I think you use lighting and you use composition like just based off of what you're feeling from them. Yeah. Um, 
which I, you know, I never really thought about that. And I think that's kind of a skill to really just be able to pick up on, um, on that couple and then mesh it with your own style and brand because, you know, you, you can't go outside of your own boundaries of who you are as a filmmaker. Um, but compositionally, I definitely, I don't want to say play it safe, but there's some couples where you have to play it safer. You won't ask them to do certain things. Um, even just composing when they're getting ready. Uh, lately, more than half of my brides, I'm there when they're putting the dress on. I like to get this silhouette shot, but you have to f feel out the personality. I know I'm not going to get that shot with certain brides or even ask. Right. Um, some brides are just really playful and really confident and you can get that beautiful shot, you know, which um, in my head, I can't articulate it, but I can definitely tie in composition to what I'm thinking. Mm -hmm. I just can't really explain it, but um, so it definitely plays a role in story. What else? Um, is there any specific part of the day that you're kind of thinking of? No, I think, uh, you know, th throughout, throughout the day you're, you know, like I, mm. I've, I've been raving about your composition here. I think there's, Thanks. there's, you know, so much of it in terms of even just thinking about, okay, who's going to be in this shot? You know, mm -hmm. of course, yeah, the bride and the bride or the groom is going to be in this shot maybe, but who else am I going to put in this shot and how am I going to frame it in a way that highlights uh, that person right. or, you know, there's all kind of kinds of things that, that you're doing. And, you know, a lot of it, like a lot of it just does come naturally and you don't think about it and it just kind of happens. So, you know, right, right. I'm just trying to, I think, um, a good example is too, actually that comes to mind is during speeches Traditionally, I think people focus on their main camera, which nothing crazy going on. It's level with the person and there's there's leading space in front of them when they're speaking, right? And um, their position, it's, it's, it's a safe shot. I don't even touch that camera. My second shooter touches that camera. I'm on a tripod with usually my 135L lens and I'm on the other side of the room, picking up these creative shots with lighting, depth, and positioning. Um, and tying it in the story, I think sometimes if uh, a parent is giving an emotional speech, uh, and again, I have them facing the couple. Eye lines are huge for me. Hmm. I don't have them next to them. Um, recently, I had dad giving a really emotional speech, and I wanted to get it from their perspective of him looking at them. So I, uh, under the radar, got really low and went behind them without distracting the event. Because again, that's something I am really big on. Um, and I shot between them. So their heads framed the space. Mm. It was silhouetted with some edge on them. But yeah. dad was just looking into the, into them, uh, into the camera. And, mm. you know, when they watch that later, they're going to feel like he's, he's looking at them again. Yeah. Not, um, you know, somewhere else. So I think that yeah, composition... Beautiful is is really important uh, and i'm sure there's tons of other examples too but <laughs> not even just i mean to be honest a lot of it is just what looks good yeah um for sure and then you make it fit later you know yeah absolutely yeah yeah it's like uh there's so many times where i'm just like oh my gosh i got so lucky that this just kind of like worked out that way when i'm in the editing suite yeah. and i have this audio that matches perfectly with the shot that i got um, right but it was it's, it's actually yeah the other day like i i remember i saw footage of the groom putting his brother in a headlock like we had that footage during their photo session 
right? And it was a nice playful moment. No one told him to do it. It was just like a thing. And then during the speech, the bro- the the um the big brother talked about how the groom, his little brother, um it sucks that he's they're older because now he can beat him up or something like that, you know. Yeah. So it just it fits. So really it's just a lot of his luck. But um if you're if you're relaxed and moving fast and able to capture these candid moments, it's going to give you better visuals for the story um which again if you're on a gimbal for me i'm not catching those moments i'm Hmm. i'm focusing on leveling my slider and this and that you know um where i'm gonna put my tripod with my camera if i'm using my slider i'm focusing on so many things and for me when people second shoot or assist me for the first time at the end of the day i'm always like hey you know sorry that was a tough one and they're like, that was the easiest shot. I feel like I didn't work hard, you know, because I do keep things really easy um, for the most part. Awesome. Yeah, for sure. Well, we are coming up on the close of the show here. So I want to move into our pick of the week section. Awesome. Uh, uh, do you have, no. <laughs> do you want me to I go first? brainstormed yet. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Let me, you do it and I'll listen and I can multitask here. Let okay, me brainstorm. Cool. Well, uh, I am going to go back to a camera today. So this is actually not the camera that I use personally, but it's the camera that we use with our volume brand. So uh, we right now own six of these cameras. Uh, This is the Lumix G85. And it's it's the successor to the G7, which I know a lot of people use. I think even some of our guests who've come on use the G7. Um. I know I'm trying to think Sebastian was using that and I think Levi was using that. Uh, so this is the successor to the G seven, but it made some pretty huge upgrades. Um, it's at the thousand the dollar price point with a kit lens, which is actually a pretty good kit lens. It's a six. What is it? No, it's a 12 to 60. Uh, I think it's three, five to five, six. Uh, but it's actually a pretty impressive kit lens with image stabilization built into it. Uh, we don't use that kit lens a whole lot. We'll use it as like the back angle for the ceremony. So they'll start out wide uh, for the processional and then they'll zoom in, uh, you know, once they get into position, zoom all the way in. So you're getting 120 mil uh, focal length with it. But the real magic is in the camera body itself uh, for a thousand bucks minus the lens. You're getting a weather sealed body that's extremely tough you're getting that dual uh, image stabilization same as what's in the gh5 where it's using both the sensor and the lens in combination with each other Um, you're getting a a gorgeous 4k image you're getting about a stop of light better iso performance than even the gh4 Um, it's just a really impressive camera body for a thousand bucks i mean in terms of bang for your buck, uh, you're going to have a hard time beating the G85. Um, so we have really fallen in love with these little guys. And we actually, right now we have, uh, I think three G85s and three G7s, but we're currently selling our G7s because we have ordered three more G85s. So we decided to switch them all to that. Part of the reason that we upgraded was just because the G7s had a record limit and the G85s do not. Um, and so that's just, you know, when you're shooting weddings, it is so convenient to not have a record limit um, for, especially for church weddings. 
Um, sometimes the toasts go long, um, but especially for those church weddings where, you know, sometimes you have a 60 and 90 minute session and we can set our third camera up unmanned and not have to worry about it. And uh, one of the other cool things is the G85s will write that entire file, write that entire, entire recording onto one file. Uh, so when you go to edit it, if you have three of those, then even if you had a 60-minute Catholic Mass, you're going to have, and you shot it with three angles, you're only going to have three files. Uh, so it makes it extremely easy to sync everything up uh, when it comes to post-processing and you don't have that second lag in between, um, that second or two when you had to stop the recording and restart. Um, and so, yeah, we just, we are very impressed with the G85. And so that's going to be my pick of the week. Nice. Um, my turn. Yeah. <laughs> I was, I was like, I brainstormed a couple ideas. I narrowed it down to, can I do two? Go for it. One, one would be equipment. One would be, um, a bizarre, very helpful tool that I picked up this year. So I'll do that one first. Uh, so the most helpful tool for me, no joke, has been a clothing product that is what I coined the man garter. Have you oh, ever heard of this thing? I have not. No. It is incredible. I, well, I guess like military um, use a form of it. Uh, basically, it's a comfortable strap that you kind of just put around your thigh and then... Yeah. It has three clips that come up and you clip them to your shirt. I tuck my shirt in at weddings and I spend the entire day retucking my shirt, you know, because I'm on the floor. You don't have to tuck your shirt in at all. And I'm not, (laughs) it sounds so silly, but when it's so hot and humid and you're sweating, your shirt's coming untucked, it's just so much better. It's just so much better. Nice. it's it's silly but that's a real um a real thing i recommend it yeah if people want to if they're interested in it i know it sounds kind of weird because it's called i call it a man garter but um you know it's it's great what's what's it want to know more about what's it actually called uh i'd have to look through my amazon order i ordered like four of them (laughs) just in case so they break because i'll never i'll never go without um mike giardino who's a really cool filmmaker from uh from new york um, I believe he lives in Queens. Um, he put me onto it, and it just like changed my. It. I mean, I was retucking my shirt every twenty minutes. Yeah, it's funny. One of my buddies was talking about he wanted to create a new shirt brand that just has like a super long, you know, the, the tail of it's just super ah. long, so it doesn't come untucked. I was like, hey, you yeah, know, you can market that to wedding filmmakers. <laughs> it's and every everyone I tell, they're like, wow, yeah, my shirt is just a mess, and then if you look like a mess. It's it's not it's just not good overall when you're yeah. talking to other vendors and guests see you and stuff. Um, anyways, Mangarder, get it. Contact okay. me if you want to know which one. It's pretty <laughs> legit um, and comfortable and hidden. Um, and then my, you know, I, I really um, the Mark IV has really helped me a lot. For I do shoot shallow a lot during the day. Um, and before the Mark IV, I've never used autofocus for anything. But their autofocus is just for the processional, for bridal party entrances, for those things. It's just so responsive and so amazing. Mm. You know, I can track the bride at like, I usually do like two, 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 five coming down the aisle or mm-hmm. whatever. The, um, I'm sorry, I hate to say bride. Whoever's coming down the aisle, yeah, I can yeah. track them easier. And it's just been so great for me. Um, 
So it's a mix between that and then, again, not too exciting, but the tripod I got, I finally got one that you can level it from the middle. You know, I always okay. use, like, I guess the cheaper versions where you have to, like, undo the buckle and adjust the leg right. to level it. Um, so actually, that that helped me a lot. So those are my two things. Not exciting, but... Hey, that's three picks. So... Oh, damn it. Well, one's... <laughs> yeah, that's true. I'm getting uh, selfish here. It's all good. Um, it's all good. I'll give, you three, I'll give you three picks. We'll let it slide this time. <laughs> and then my fourth pit. No. <laughs> so if, if people want to find out more about what you're doing, if they want to watch some of your films to see the composition, where do we need to send people? Uh, I love, I love Instagram. That's my new business card. If people ask for a business card, I love Instagram and it's just my name, Matt Koza, K-O-Z-A. Um, awesome. And that, that's where I'm most active. Yeah. Okay. Facebook's great too. Yeah. Awesome. Sounds great. Perfect. Well, thanks again for coming on. I really appreciate it. This has been really insightful, really helpful. I know our listeners are going to gain a lot from this, so I just really appreciate it. And again, uh, guys, if you're getting a lot from this, again, I'm, I'm doing this for you for free. Do me a favor and go onto iTunes and give us a rating. Uh, tell me what you're thinking about. Uh, even if you don't like the show, just go ahead and go on there and tell me what you think. Or send me an, actually, if you don't like the show, send me an email. <laughs> if you love it, <laughs> give us a review. <laughs> and Anyways. if you're really feeling good, you could Venmo some cash now. Yeah, That's there good. you go. Join. <laughs> yeah, I forgot about my Venmo. No, you're doing great stuff, here. man. I really, I'm really enjoying um, all the stuff I've heard so far, and I think I think you're doing great with this. It's a it's a nice feature for sure. I appreciate that. Well, uh, thanks again, everybody, and uh, we will continue on with this series next week. The Wedding Film Academy podcast is produced by Taylor Juarez. If you found this episode helpful, be sure to subscribe so you never miss a show and help us out by leaving a five-star review on iTunes. And when you're done, head on over to WeddingFilmAcademy.org to chat with our other wedding filmmakers like yourself in the comments section. Until next time, keep making movie magic.